Welcome to this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service Podcast. This week's sermon will be given by Chaplain Jonathan Ginder. Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for being our God. Jesus, thank you for being the Lamb who was slain so that we may be forgiven and raising from the dead so that we have the blessed hope of eternal life. Help us to press into you in total devotion of our Almighty God. And for our shoeboxes, ours that will collect with millions of others to go to third world kids around the world that they have the opportunity to know Jesus. We pray now, God, that they go with your spirit and that you're charging the hearts of these kids, that you're paving the way through the political systems to allow the gospel of Jesus Christ for missionaries to go forth and to spread your word throughout the world. We love you, and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, good morning, All-American Chapel. Looking forward to uh, spending some time with you all this morning in uh, Joshua chapter 7. And uh, man, Joshua chapter 6 was an awesome, awesome victory. Um, Hey, let me just take one second before I jump in and introduce myself. So I'm John Ginder, uh, a chaplain with uh, First Special Forces Command, uh, Family Life Chaplain over there. Um, And uh, I know my wife, I don't know if you all have ever heard her voice anywhere in the chapel. She's like always hollering and yelling and singing and yeah, shouting. I expect you to shout me down just as much as you shout everybody else down. Okay, that would be fair. So, uh, but uh, all right, we're going to jump in here with... uh, Joshua chapter 7, but um, uh, the title of today's message is, What's, what's Holding You Back? What's Holding You Back? The, in this sermon series, Total Devotion, devotion, it it's requires movement. It requires change. It requires taking a step. And so the question today and the title of the sermon is, uh, What's Holding You Back? So Joshua 6 uh, ends with this awesome victory. Uh, but as we jump into to chapter 7, we learn that it is a short trip from victory to defeat. It's interesting that there, there always seems to be a valley after a mountain, right? This is how mountains are distinguished from the rest of the terrain. And uh, victory from defeat, that journey, is, uh, it's a very short trip. Um, if, I don't know if any of you has ever experienced that roller coaster feeling before in your life. Uh, I know that... It, that for uh, people have short-term memory, you know, they forget the victory. So, in is there any football fans out there? Okay, so there's like, a, is there? There's usually an Alabama section in the chapel here. Where's the Alabama section? Okay, yeah, all right. So there, y'all are spread out, divide and conquer, I guess. Okay, so uh, so I'm a Big Ten fan, Ohio State fan. So Big Ten, so the Big Ten, we like, it's I, it, we are hard on our coaches in the Big Ten. Okay. We could wake up on Saturday morning and be like so proud and like happy and dedicated to our coach. You know, we're with him the whole time, all this stuff. We think he's the best thing since sliced bread. That's Saturday morning. But wait, wake up Sunday morning, we're like looking for replacements. We're totally disappointed. And I know that all y'all have experienced that, but it, you know, it's sometimes it's a, it's a roller coaster. And this is, this is what we have here in Joshua 7. We have this roller coaster. This, there's this distinction in the chapter. There's an incredible thrill of victory in chapter 6 that God fights the battle at Jericho for them. 
And in, verse, in the last verse of chapter 6 and the very first verse of chapter 7 is drastically different. There is, there is a drastic difference with victory and defeat. You don't have to get too far in chapter 7 to see that all, all is no longer good in this neighborhood. It opens with, in verse 1 with God's anger burning. With God's anger burning with this sin. This is a strong emotion that is being described with God's anger burning. God wasn't just a little upset, a little frustrated. It's burning. What makes your anger burn? Is there anything that just really gets you boiling something inside, that gets you all worked up, that gets you really frustrated? Or maybe is there, is there maybe a specific sin that, ah, it just makes me burn, right? It makes you so mad. For me, is it okay if I just be open a little bit, open and honest? One sin that makes me like super, super mad is, you know, like, you know, technology is like super awesome, all that stuff, but there's so much junk on the internet. Like, there's like advertisements, there's like all this stuff. It makes me so stinking mad that like this, we get like rushed with this junk, right? It makes me, it just ticks me off. And that anger that I probably have about that junk that's on, that's on the internet, God was probably having with that, with this sin of Achan. God had this burning anger because of this lack of devotion, because of this lack of, of obedience, it, that Achan was holding back on God. So we have our first point today is the sin. So what's holding you back? The first point is the sin. We are introduced to this unique figure of Achan. We learn that he we learn about his whole entire family tree in verse chapter one. Has anybody ever heard of a genogram? A genogram is kind of like a family tree with squares and circles and lines and dots and all that stuff. And uh, and and we have the person that the genogram is focused on. It's like a double line or a double square around this person, right? So in this genogram, in this whole family tree, we have. We have Achan's dad, we have his grandpa, we have his great-grandpa, we have his tribe, we have everything, and we definitely have our double lines around Achan. We know who the focus is on. We have our identified patient in Achan, and there is no mistake about this. Now, there were spoils in Jericho that were devoted to the Lord, and Achan decided that, that those spoils that were devoted to the Lord, that, that rule, that didn't, that didn't apply to him. He decided that, that he was going to take a couple of things for himself. Those, those, that, that requirement doesn't apply to Achan. That does not apply to his family. He's like, it's different for me. He was holding back from, from that total dedication. And God's anger burned because of this man's disobedience. So this, this series is about total devotion. And obedience is a key connection, a key connection to this total devotion. What is holding you back? Is it the sin? My second point is a setback. A setback is that, is that distance that is created in our, relationship, in our relationship between us and God. It's that setback. So we get a narrative in verses 2, uh, starting in verse 2, that talks about this setback that Joshua was experiencing. So they, they've completed... The, con the Israelites have completed the conquest of Jericho, and now they are on to the next city, the city of Ai. 
It's spelled A-I, but we pronounce it I. So I is an insignificant little city compared to Jericho. If you had a map, Jericho would be this big, major city, and I would be just a little post-stamp, one-traffic-light kind of town. Anybody ever been through one of those towns? You kind of blink, and you're gone. You know, there's a few lessons you can learn about underestimating, right? So I got a few tips to, for you this morning about underestimating these little towns. So here's a few quotes for you. It says, don't underestimate me because I'm quiet. I know more than I say. I think more than I speak. And I observe more than you know. It's a good tip, right? Don't underestimate your abilities. That's your boss's job. Good. Okay. It's okay to laugh. All right. All right. Never underestimate the power of stupid people in large groups. That's a big mistake. Never want to estimate a chaplain who plays bass on a Sunday morning. Ah, all right. Here we go. So Israel, right, they were underestimating what I had, okay? So Israel had a fighting force of 600,000, and Joshua, as a good commander, sent in spies to this little town, and I was nothing compared to Jericho. Surely 600,000 troops is too many for this little farm town. Two to 3,000 will be fine to take care of everything. So this is more than enough for this little village. It's a small fighting strength, and there's this confidence of, hey, we got this. We got this. So here's an interesting thing. Maybe about 40 years ago, I mean, or 40 years earlier than this, when Joshua was one of the spies that Moses had sent in, he and Caleb spied on the promised land, and the people of Israel's response was that we are too weak to do this. There's a drastic difference. And here they are, they think now they are too strong. We don't need everyone, we only need just a few. So Joshua listens to his spies and he sends in his 3,000 men. They go and they are unquestionably defeated. Unquestionably. They were able to conquer Jericho, this huge fortress, just prior to this, with, with victory without one single loss without one single loss, and now they go to fight this weaker city of Ai, and they lose 36 of their 3,000. 36 die in that battle of the Israelites, and they, were, they are turned, and they are chased away, and they have faced death. This is serious. The hearts of the people are, of, of Israel, they were melted and became as water. Verse 6, it gives us this picture of what this does to the Israelites, their heart becoming as water. Have you, have you ever felt that before? It's a sense of losing hope. It's realizing that you're, you're on the losing team. It's a horrible feeling. Has anybody ever been stuck on a losing team? Like, and the season's not even over. You know you're going to, you have the next game, and you know you're going to lose, right? It's like being trapped. And, and it's, like, it's like getting a terminal diagnosis and you're now feeling helpless. Their hearts were like water. The Israelites didn't know what was going on. This was a big deal. If we back up to chapter 2, we see that when Joshua commissioned the spies to go into Jericho, 
Rahab said that the Canaanites' hearts melted like wax before God's favor on Israel. And now, because of Israel's defeat in the, in the city of Ai, the Israelites were at the same emotional place as the Canaanites. This sense of helplessness, this sense of being way overpowered. And what is the use? So Joshua is asking, Joshua is asking God, why have you brought us here? Why, why are we facing this? He was rightly confused. See, this, this chapter is set up like a narrative because verse 1, we get like a preview of what, of what had happened with Achan. But Joshua, he didn't see this. Joshua was just following the last order. Why was, why was this happening? Why this defeat? Why this shame? Why this death? Joshua is supposed to be the leader, and if Israel fails, what does that say about God? So Joshua is confused. He didn't know about this. He didn't know about this sin. He's, but he's feeling the effects of this. He's feeling this, this separation between between him and God, between God and his people. That is the setback. So we have the sin, and we have the setback. What is holding you back from total devotion? The third point this morning is about the struggle. It's about the struggle. Starting in verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, stand up, what are you doing down on your face. Joshua was struggling about what to do. The Israelites were struggling about what to do. Achan was about to be struggling about what to do. How many of you, how many of you have found yourself stuck in a struggle? Just in a pattern of holding back? You know? Does anybody know the, the first step in completing 5K or a triathlon or a marathon. Does anybody know what the first step is? Let's get off the couch, right? Right? You gotta, you gotta sign up for it. You gotta register for your race. Right? You're never gonna do it if you don't sign up for it. You know, you're you're never gonna get your name attached to one of these numbers on the bib if you don't take that step. You're like, well, you know, I'll, I'll sign up for that. And then like two weeks after the race, somebody says, hey, did you do that? Oh, no, I never really got around to it. You know? And, and dedication, total dedication requires making a step. God is saying to, jo to Joshua, it's time for you to get up off of your face. Now, I'm not telling you to get up off your face. That's pretty, or maybe I should, I don't know, right? You know, maybe we need to move something. Maybe we need to get off of our butts. Maybe we need to change something. Total dedication is big, you know. You know, uh, today is the chili cook-off, right? Who I don't know who all signed up for the chili cook-off, but we got some competitors in this house. We got five representatives from this. They would, you know, what they would never have a chance of winning this chili cook-off if they didn't sign up for it. First, you have to sign up for it, and now we get to go out and enjoy it this afternoon. You know, dedication is huge in relationships. Dedication is huge. Some people. How many of y'all know some folks who are, are married somebody, and it took them a while because they were afraid to commit? You know? Commitment's a big thing, right? A little slow. Kelly played hard to get, all right? But she was, yeah, she was worth it, okay? <laughs> you know? 
dedication. Dedication. It's a big step. Sin is a deadly struggle. Being stuck in that struggle is a deadly struggle. But this idea of how serious the struggle of sin is, it's not popular. We know that the Bible is a gift and powerful, but we have a trouble lining up with the seriousness of sin. Do you think that sin is serious? A lot of times we have these excuses, you know, but my sin, my sin won't hurt anyone else. Achan thought his sin, it's not going to impact anyone. But no one will find out about this secret. It's fine. My wife, she doesn't, she doesn't even know. My husband's never going to find out. Mom or dad, they don't, they don't know. No one will miss this at work. No one even pays any attention. But the truth is that sin is deadly serious, and God is the only one that can define it. When we define it, we mess it up. God is the only one that can define this sin. So as a family life chaplain and, and, and doing counseling, many times I get to work with people in life struggles. And we find as counselors that many times the problem isn't the problem. Some people will come in for counseling for a problem, but that's really the problem somewhere else. The problem isn't the problem. Let me kind of explain it just a little bit. A couple would be sitting there and they'll be explaining about how they just need to work on some parenting skills. They can give a whole list of all of these reasons why the kids are causing stress in the home, but really, husband and wife can get, they, they need to take that time to focus on their relationship. They, the, 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 we lose focus on what the problem really is, and the reason why that is is because we don't feel comfortable or safe to talk about the real problem. We don't like to focus on the real issue. We don't like to define sin as the problem. For the, for the Israelites, the problem, we could try to diagnose the problem in all different places for the Israelites, right? But we know that the problem, it was not a military strategy. That's not what it was. The problem wasn't that Joshua didn't pray enough that's, that's not what the problem was. It wasn't his prayer life. It wasn't that more people needed to be circumcised. Thank God, only that only has to be done once, right? You know, you don't have to do that one twice. Hallelujah. <laughs> once is enough. The problem here was sin. This was God's wrath. This was God's holding people accountable. 36 soldiers out of 3,000 that's 1.2%. How many battles where 98.8% soldiers returning would be considered defeat? You know, 36, 36 soldiers lost, that's very, very hard. But God was actually in that. God was showing mercy. God could have, God could have allowed all 3,000 to be taken. This is that serious. This is a sign of how serious that God takes sin. God didn't want to destroy them, or he didn't, want to, he didn't want to crush them. But also, this defeat, it was not an accident. When we have to face the results of sin, it's not an accident. It's a consequence. 
The problem here is that we think too little of sin. We'd rather blame God. God must not have done his job. This whole, this whole thing about God's blessing and God's favor, favor that's God, God messed this up, right? We try to make excuses. But the truth is, is that God gives what his people pursue. And there are consequences for sin. There are consequences for sex outside of marriage. Not accidents. They're consequences. Addictions are not consequences. I mean, are not accidents. They are consequences. We find ourselves in the place where we are headed the entire time. God doesn't reward sin. He is gracious to forgive, but he will never reward rebellion. So this was Achan who sinned, right? This was, the, the, but there was a, a corporate guilt that was happening here. They had sinned. All guilty because of one. Because one sinned, because one violated, because one stole, because one lied. All were guilty. One sin. Is it really one sin? Right? It's the next sin that covers up that sin that leads to the next sin. Right? You know, it's like, sin is like investing in a, an aggressive stock. It's expensive. It's tough to get out of. It keeps you longer, it takes you further, and it costs you more. What's holding you back? Total devotion. Is it the sin? Is it the setback? Is it the struggle? My fourth point is called the stoning, which is a place of repentance, a place of change, a place of action. When there is division in the ranks, we sabotage all potential. There, there is a film, I don't know if anyone has seen it or remembers the film, but it's loosely based on a true story called Remember the Titans. Anybody seen Remember the Titans? Motivated. The suburban Virginian school, Virginia schools have been segregated for generations. Two schools are closed. And the students sent to T.C. Williams High School under federal mandate to integrate. The year is seen through the eyes of, of the football team where the, ma where the man hired to coach um, the black school is made the head coach over the highly successful white coach. So based on the actual events of 1971, in training camp, the team's devotion was tested and some refused to give 100%. Some refuse to give that total devotion. In the scene here that we're about to play, one of the star players was refusing to block on the line, and the captain had to make a difficult decision that impacted everyone. You will watch this clip. Break. You yeah. want to break? I'll give you a break. Me and Julius want to break. Wait a minute. Did you 
What's on your mind, sir? I want Ray off the team, coach. You know my policy, Gary. Yes, I do. And I respect it, but I know that Ray missed that block on purpose. Sometimes you just gotta cut a man loose. Hmm. Well, you're the captain. You make a decision, but you support your decision. You're out. What? I'm not going to let you play for this team anymore. Oh, yes. Going to go and tell him what to do just like last time? But then that's right. He is your daddy now, isn't he? Boone don't cut anybody. Remember, Gary? I had you cut, Ray. You willing to just throw away our friendship for them? You can keep them. The stoning. You had to make that cut. It may be a friend, maybe something that's hard to do, but there's times when that cut, that change, that repentance, that action needs to be taken. With Achan, we see that most of Israel, you know, they were not personally guilty. Achan represented all the people. So this is how the cycle works in the Bible. I am a sinner, okay? I wasn't there in the garden with Adam, but I am a sinner. You are also a sinner. This is how it works. We are all connected. We are all connected and descendants of Adam. We are connected to this guilt. Sin does impact community and it does impact family. There's no way around this. It's a fact that your sin, that my sin impacts my home. It's a fact. It's, it's hard to, to accept that, but it is true. Our family is impacted by our decisions. And this applies to men, and it applies to women, it applies to mothers, and it applies to fathers. It's forever. It applies to all of us. Now, you know, with my family growing up, you know, I love, I love my parents, right? I love them very much. They were... They are great. But I get so angry when I see myself struggling with the same things I saw them struggle with. It's like, it just it burns in me. I'm like, why? Why can't I put an end to this? You know what? And I definitely hate it when the struggle 
I definitely hate the struggle when it's my wife that is pointing it out in me that you're acting like your parents, you know? And we, and I, I, I've done the same thing to Kelly. I'm, if I know this has been record, being recorded. If it makes, makes it up there on the post, we love our parents. We are very thankful for them. But the struggles, the family struggles are deep and they are real, right? They're, you can't deny the impact that it has on your family. And we can't deny that Aiken's family, they weren't blind to this. Just like your family's not blind, my home isn't, my home isn't blocked off with this. It's, it's real. The impact is there. One man's sin turned God's presence away from the entire people. And today I can only know about my own sin. I don't know about any of your sin. I can't even be 100% sure about Kelly's sin. You know, we know a lot about each other. But the only thing that I know of is I can know about my sin. I know that my sin is bad enough. You know, one week of my actions is enough to condemn me forever, right? But how long am I going to allow those things to prevent, prevent what God wants to do? Prevent me from getting to the place that God wants me to get to? How long will I allow, will, will I limit God for what he wants to do in this church, in this chapel? How long will I limit God for what he wants to do in my family? How long will I limit God for what he wants to do in my home? Total devotion requires taking my sin seriously. So the question is, what are your devoted, what are your devoted things? God wants to remove things that hold us back. And we have to let go of the secret things. We need to take all of this seriously. So Achan saw finally how serious this was getting, but he never responded. He saw his tribe, he saw his clan, he saw his relatives, it was getting real, and he saw his household. Achan was finally questioned with, what have you done? What are your devoted things? And he gave this awesome repentance. He explained how he saw it, he coveted it, he stole it, and he hid it. Man, that's an awesome confession, right? It's a good sermon. And it's an important sermon to grasp and get a hold of. It is. It's really, really powerful. But when was Achan going to take this seriously? He knew that it was wrong. Sin creates a huge separation for, of us from God. It cannot be avoided. So today, we stand guilty, just as Adam and just as Achan. We have not done what we know that God wants us to do, but like Adam and like Achan, we have failed in our sinners. We don't just sin. Sin is not, it's more than just something you do. We are sinners. Let that sink in for a moment. This devotion to God requires us to be all in. The invitation is real. The total devotion is real. 
we know that sin is real, but the invitation for us gives us to give God full devotion is also real. So here we are, face to face with the reality of sin, and face to face, face to face with the invitation to surrender. It is unhealthy to only focus on the victories. We also need to see the blessings, but it is. But there, we also we, we also need to see the other side of this, and that's what Joshua chapter seven is. Okay, this is the only defeat. Joshua chapter seven is the only defeat recorded in the book of Joshua. There are other setbacks that we see, but this is the only defeat. It is a reminder of a deliverance and of the faithfulness and of the rescue and of the and of the victory. It is easy to be devoted. when things are going well but now the Israelites after defeat being recognized as failures being recognized with sin what will they choose to do? What will they choose to do? I encourage you today to choose devotion. This would be a pretty bad sermon if it just ended right here with the wrath of God you know, talking about sin, talking about setback, talking about struggle, and then ending it with stoning. Wow, yeah, that's good, Chaplain Ginder. Looking forward to you preaching next time, right? But listen, I want you to know that today we can be grateful for God's grace. We can be grateful for God's grace. You know, Thanksgiving, you know, what else can we be thankful for? but for the grace of God. Have you ever not been content with the blessings that God has given you? We are not thankful enough for the gift that he has given us. God is the one who, is re- who revealed the sin, and God is the one who provides a way. It is God who gives a cure to sin, and God who wants to begin the steps to restore in my life and in your life. And it's okay to be truly thankful. It really is. Because that thankfulness is, is a change from the pushing away, right? I can, either, I can either take God's grace and deny it, oh God, I don't need that. Or I can be thankful for it and I can embrace it. I can run to it. Today, I encourage you to make that step to make that step of total devotion. So we are given a gift in Joshua 7 that reminds us of the importance of devotion and the importance of obedience. We are at a point of action today. It's a real deal. Total devotion. I want to invite the worship team to come forward as we get ready to close. And as we get ready to close with this last song, the name of the last song is is Calling Me Higher. Called Me Higher. And the very first two verses talks about how I can just stay right here. I could just hold on a little bit longer. But when it gets to the course, it talks about calling me to a different place. Joshua 7, verse 10, God called down to Joshua saying, get up 
off of your face? What is God calling you to change in total devotion this morning? So I encourage you in that dedication to go all in, to give that full devotion, to no longer be holding back. I encourage you to respond to the Lord this morning in this time of worship. May, it might be making a meaningful commitment. It might be creating a place where you can remember the dedication, the full dedication that you have given to God. It might be getting down on your knees and, and, and marking this as the day that I'm going to be committed. I'm going to have ask Kelly to come forward. It might be standing as a family. You know, Joshua 7 talks about how we can fall as a family. But also, I want you to know that Joshua chapter 7 can be a time where you can pull your family close and make this a place of worship for you and your family. It is that real. The, the invitation for God to give us that, that, that opportunity to be fully dedicated is real and is here today. So I encourage you, whatever, whatever response you need to do, don't just stay there. Stand up. Take a stand. Come to the altar. Get on your knees. Make a move in response to your full dedication to the Lord. Make that step a devotion. Don't hold back anymore. But uh, please receive the benediction. Lord, this congregation belongs to you. We're not going to share the altar anymore with anything that doesn't belong there. God, we stand as a community. We stand as a family in devotion to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a good day. That was this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service podcast. Please tune in for next week's podcast.